Chats from the Blog Cabin. Welcome to a brand new episode. So I was doing something great. And, you know, I would get a pat on the head and say, okay, you know, it's time to go. Or I would help fold the towels or something like that for someone else. So I was helping take care of someone else at a very young age. So it was instilled in me and it, it just happened all throughout life. So I've always been a nurturer or that care taker, mm-hmm. you know, for my kids, for my family, for every. For everyone around me. So it was just, it's just always been second nature. So how have you been able to juggle your business? You just said you moved to Texas so, and your businesses are in Maryland. How are you able to make sure that they're running correctly? You know, I have an awesome clinical director. It, it took a while <laughs> to get there. I went through a few, <laughs> but right now I have an awesome clinical director. I, I can't give her enough um, praise. We work well together. We talk several times a day. And with the pandemic and people being remote and my husband, he travels for his business. He's in Maryland twice a week. So he checks on the offices and I'm there. Now, when we first moved, we've only been here since November. When we first moved, I had a plan to come um, you know, every other month and he come, you know, his, his routine was going to be every two weeks because he needed to be there for his offices more than, than myself. Um, because I felt if I came more to my locations that I would supersede her. And I didn't want to do that because mm-hmm. she's the clinical director. She makes the clinical judgments and, you know, I'm just the owner. Um, and the clinical decisions weigh more heavily than me just saying, okay, we're going to, you know, use uh, this type of furniture or this type of lighting or, you know, my, my decisions are important, Mm -hmm. but not as important of whether a client is discharged or not. She's making those type of decisions. That's not my decision. Um, So when me, with me taking on my grandson, now it's every three months for me <laughs> that I that I get to, you know, go to my offices because I took on, you know, I had to take on the family role. So it, it works out well. Our communication is stellar. Um, we have our virtual meetings. As a matter of fact, we were supposed to have one today right before our call. Um, but it's going to be after a little later on mm-hmm. after. So we do weekly meetings, um, that are via zoom. So I, I stay in contact with, with everything we email. Um, so it's almost like I am, I'm there. Um, I have meetings, you know, with the, with the boards or she'll fill me in with what's going on, you know, with this clinical director, I kind of, I wanted to fall back a lot mm-hmm. more. Um, before I was a little more in the limelight. So a lot of the questions from the staff came to me 
and they were bypassing the clinical director, which mm -hmm. is their next line of, of direction. Mm -hmm. And it, it was skipping her, so, or, or him at one time. So, you know, they were out of the loop and things. And I was more like the, the next in command, which shouldn't be, it shouldn't be coming directly to me. It's supposed mm -hmm. to go to their direct supervisor. So this way it's, it's going, the chain of command is going in the right direction. That sounds, that sounds like you've got everything lined <laughs> up. Now we need to take a brief commercial, but when we come back, I want to know how you juggle your family sure. and doing the, um, long distance as well businesses. So we'll be right back with that. Sure. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Hi, my name is Joanna and I would like to share with you a little bit about Shores of Grace, Shores Philly. It's a ministry located in Philadelphia. The portion of Shores that I volunteer for goes into Kensington, an area greatly impacted by homelessness and addiction. And we go and we take love, food, clothing, snacks, conversation. Um, we believe that it is a way that we can meet people right where they are and show them the love of Jesus. Uh, we have seen lives changed in big ways and in small ways. And we have built wonderful relationships with the people in the community. Uh, we have big plans, more we'd like to do, um, and we would appreciate any support, either through prayer or through donation. If you would like to donate, you can go to shoresofgrace.com, and in the menu, click on Donate, and we just ask that you put Philly in your donation comments. Thank you. And we're back talking with Nicole. Now, before we went to break we talked about your businesses and you were juggling it being living in texas and your businesses are in maryland but you also have a blended family but before we start talking about how you actually did the blended family how are you juggling family and businesses in another state mm. so you know family family always comes first so i always make time for my my family um they know that I get up early <laughs> and they know that I typically knock off at a certain time. At least I try to, but my phone is always on. So anytime my clinical director calls me, you know, I answer or she knows that I'm going to call right back, no matter what day it is. It could be Sunday at, you know, 9 PM and she's thinking of something or she needs something. I'm going to answer the phone. Um, so business is always going even in the, even though, you know, we're not a, 365, you know, agency, we do have, you know, nine to five type hours. I'm always working. Um, but family, they, they, they can always reach me. Um, I'm always there for whatever my family needs. They, my kids to know that they can always come to me and as well as my husband, we have, I would say we have pretty good our communication is really, really good. We can always get whatever we are going through, whether it be, you know, good or bad or anything personal, we can always get it off each other's chest and talk about it. Either it's whether it be right then and there 
or maybe we need a little breather, depending on what it is. <laughs> Usually by the time we go to bed, it, it's re resolved. So let's talk about dating and bringing your kids in when you're blending, trying to blend families. Cause that's gotta be like another whole, like dating, the dating scene is, is enough or I can't even imagine going in my age, going back into dating, but having kids and going into the dating scene has to be another thing. So let's talk about your experience and then how you were able to blend your families together. So we've been together, I think it's been 12, 12 years now. So, you know, when I was dating, I was very protective of my boys. I didn't, you know, I didn't let them see who I was dating right away until I was, you know, sure that I even wanted them to be bothered with whomever. So I was very selective. Um, at one time, I just wasn't. I wasn't dating or I would just go to dinner or maybe lunch. But before I met my husband, um, I was in a relationship and it was a long-term relationship, but we were at a point where I wasn't being bothered really at all. <laughs> I knew the relationship was over. Um, I was in grad school and that was my focus. I knew it was a bad relationship. He wanted the relationship to go further, but I did not. I was on my game plan and I was like tunnel vision and I knew I was on my way out of the relationship. He wasn't there yet. He wasn't, he had no idea what I was thinking. And I was like the heck with him. <laughs> this thing is over. So at that point, I wasn't worried about meeting anyone else. Um, I wasn't thinking about any guys at all. All I wanted to do is complete grad school and I was focusing on my kids. I was actually really so focused at one time that my oldest son stayed with me and my youngest son, I allowed him to stay with my mom because he was only like seven, I think he was like six or seven. And I didn't think it was fair for my oldest son to watch a child mm -hmm. at, at young while I was in school. And it was all day on Saturdays. So he was old enough to take care of himself. Of course, he played basketball and things like that. So he had activities to do. But my youngest, you know, he would have been lost or he'd have gotten in trouble or they would have gotten in trouble together. So um, I didn't have to worry about him. It wasn't until I was almost done with school that I met my husband and I still wasn't looking. We met just by happenstance in a bar because I met a former coworker because he called me up and said, hey, let's catch up. Um, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, I'm doing nothing. I'm just watching um, my best friend's son uh, for her and her husband. He's like, hey, let's meet here. And I'm like, okay, who's going to be there? <laughs> and he was like, no one. I think it was like maybe three, three o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. I said, okay, I have some things to do, um, but I'll be there. So I was a mess that day hair all over my head, t-shirt, leggings, flip-flops, 
but I did have my hair, my nails and my feet done. And I met him. And it just so happened, like maybe an hour later, all these guys in suits showed up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you did not tell me this. You said no one was going to be there and hear all these guys come in and I look a hot mess. And that's how I met my husband. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that you look a hot mess and he still wanted that, that's a keeper right there. Right. But, you know, it took, it took something, it, it was a, as a matter of fact, it was a couple of guys that tried to talk to me and I'm like, okay, they must be blind or stupid or something or just desperate <laughs> because, you know, I look crazy, but, um, he just looked familiar. Like I knew him from somewhere. And so I asked my friend, I was like, you know, do you know him? And he said, no, um, I don't think so. So he asked him his name. And then I saw a ring on his finger, to be honest. And um, I said, ask him, you know, is he, is he, what, what's the situation? Um, so he asked him, hey, are you, what's going on with you? Are you married? What, what, what? Um, so he said, yes. Uh, but hey, I'm, I'm separated. No, he didn't say yes. He said, I'm separated. That was his answer. And I'm like, okay, here we go with that. He said, no, really, I am. I said, okay. So uh, anyway, long story short, I, I got, I left with two cards that day. And so it took a week for me to call him. I called him, but I did some research first. I Googled him and that's because I read some books and things like that. I Googled him and the other person and, um, I liked what I what I saw. I saw some family pictures of him. He was with one of his sons, and they were on an outing and football game, and they were tailgating. And so I called him. I talked to him for a few minutes on the phone. He's like, "Hey, why don't you come to my office? Let's talk." I went to his office, but before I went to his office, I called um, my cousin, and I said, "Hey, I'm going to this guy's office. If you don't hear from me again," This is the address <laughs> of where I'm going. And so we talked, you know, we talked all about the situation and everything like that. I said, okay, we'll see. And everything panned out, all the conversations that we had from that point on, I was very careful. I listened to everything. Um, background noises, er- everything that I possibly could. If he showed up, if he, you know, let me down or anything, you know, I just paid attention in in this situation to see if there were going to be any lies or anything like that. And there weren't. And um, here we are today. Wow. So at what point did you decide to introduce the kids into the picture because you said he brought five kids and you had two. So you had to blend them at what point in your dating life. Did you decide to introduce the kids in? So my oldest son met him by accident because we went for a walk around the Marina and we came back to my place because he had to use the restroom and my son was supposed to be gone um, 
he plays best. He played basketball a lot. So he was supposed to be gone playing basketball, and he came in when he was leaving out. And he was like, oh, so is this your new boyfriend? <laughs> so he says, it's about time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so he says, um, sh she's a mean one now. And then he says, well, you might not like her after she passes gas. <laughs> yeah, Remember, I have boys. I have boys. <laughs> I'm like, oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> then he tells him our favorite snack is Cheetos. <laughs> Too funny. So they shake hands and everything, and you know, then then he leaves. And but the funny thing is, I knew him. I figured out the day that we saw each other where I knew him from. He actually used to um, uh, own a childcare center, or he still did own childcare centers. Um, the first childcare center that that son, my oldest son, attended. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like total coincidence. So it was so funny. And for him to see my son again, like he remembered him and everything. So it was just very funny. <laughs> so we never like spoke in any kind of way. And he said he used to watch me come in and out of the daycare center, but never said anything to me but he remembered you know like gawking at me <laughs> walking in and out of the, the daycare center that is so funny so that's your oldest son's experience when did you meet his kids and then he meet the other son so he met i met his i met his girls so he has three girls and two older boys i met his girls i think the first encounter was the middle daughter was having a fashion show and I met them at the rehearsal and that went it went well they were I think enamored they were just saying that oh she's so pretty because I used to model and mm -hmm. so um I met them there and the next time we met I believe it was at when he moved out because him and his ex-wife were still living together. When he moved out, we had dinner at his new place, but he didn't meet my youngest son until my grad school graduation. Wow. So he met them, him there. Yeah, and he was having um, a little anxiety about uh, a one that young because his youngest daughter at the time, I think she was 13. Mm. Yeah, and to have a seven, eight-year-old, he was like, oh my gosh, this is like starting all over again. 
But when he met my youngest, uh, he was like, oh, he was just so taken back. He was like, he's, he's such a little gentleman. He, he, this guy is so cool. <laughs> so once you decide to get married, what are some of the tips that you can give other blended families to, to kind of blend their families together? Because that's going to be hard when you're blending families in your, your, you know, there's the, a separate mom and a separate dad from all that, you know, that's going to be hard. It is really, it's really hard, um, especially when, like, his girls, they they live with both parents the, you know, all of their lives. Um, so it's it's really difficult in in that instance, and especially when you have a parent. I think the most the most challenging part for for us um, was the other parent was the ex-wife um, feeding information to mm-hmm. to one in particular. It was to all, but one took the information more so than the others. Um, so therapy early on um, helps. Um, I would I would highly, highly, highly recommend that. If you have one of those types of parents who may have a hard time with there being another man or woman in their child's life, um, in talking to your kids early on when you know that there's going to be someone else in in their life. Um, all that helps and being being honest with the situation when you know you're going to move out when you when you know that things are going to happen and I'm not talking about you know putting your kids in adult situations um, you know talking about bills and who's going to pay what and who's doing what but there are certain situations that you should definitely talk to your kids about like in advance like when you really know that things are going to happen you should kind of make them aware because they already have a lot of stuff going on. They're already in school. They're probably, they may be, may or may not be going through situations in school that they have to deal with. Then to come home, which is their safe place where it should be mm-hmm. and have to deal with things at home that are, you know, changing on them. It, it's very difficult for them. And sometimes they can't, wrap their minds around it and they don't know if they should talk to mommy or they should talk to daddy or you know it's hard it's hard for them even though you know most of our kids were teenagers in that whole 13 to 16 or 17 age range they still have issues they're still going through that transition where they don't know you know what's going on with themselves they are entering you know uh middle school and high school so that's still a, a very delicate age range where they have a lot going on so they need to know what is going on between mommy and daddy where do i stand they they need to know how did you make it so that the his kids and vice versa him making your kids feel like they were a part of the family because that's got to be hard too as well. You know, the kids did not have a problem with each other. So that was awesome 
um, in our in our household. We the kids they they mess and they jive like right away. It it was like they were like really all of them were like almost felt like biological, like right off the bat almost. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean it helped that my oldest son and my middle daughter they they kind of they had the same like kind of friends they knew the same people my youngest daughter and my youngest son they they kind of clicked even though there's a little bit of an age gap between them they kind of fell into each other and it was just the I don't know. It was just the nicest thing. So that made it really easy. So we didn't get any like bumping heads with the kids. I love that. And I also love the fact you said my oldest, my middle daughter, my youngest daughter. I love that. The fact that you're already claiming them as your own. Mm-hmm. That just that just makes my heart swell. Mm-hmm. But is that one of the reasons why you wrote the book, the book Blended to Perfection? Yes. Um, that is. I wanted to talk about, you know, my, my struggles, but I also wanted people to know like where I came from in my situation as well. Um, to get a little back, a bit of big, a little bit of background about me. Um, I thought that that would help also. Um, you know, I've been knocked down a few times, but I've gotten back up. I feel that I'm a pretty resilient person and I wasn't going to let the, 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 the trials and tribulations or any struggle that I went through and getting into or going through this blended family, you know, defeat me um, because it was very hard to have another person. I'm not going to say like not like me but not take to me in my household or in my nest that it was very difficult for me. And there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. Like I couldn't, or the, it wasn't a right thing to like buy her things or, you know, you couldn't do anything like that. Yeah. All, all I could do is just wait. All I had to, you know, that's the only thing I could do is wait and pray about it and, and, and hope that things would get better. And it did over time because I knew that I didn't do anything wrong. And I just felt so bad that I could not do anything or say anything to make her understand that, you know, I, I want you to feel better about this situation because she knew that her mom and dad were not happy or were in a bad way way before I came along. And I was upset about that, that everyone knew that. But I felt like I was being treated like I was the bad guy for something that I I didn't do. Like I didn't mess this up. Like I, it wasn't one of those situations where they were happily ever after. And then I came in and I just tore everything down. Mm-hmm. 
it wasn't one of those situations at all. <clears throat> Everybody knew that both of them were seeing other people. Um, they were living separate lives. I just happened to be the one that they, they divorced. Mm -hmm. Because I'm one of those, okay, you're either going to piss or get off the pot. <laughs> yeah. You, you know? Um, so I, I just, it, it was just hurting me that, again, she was in under, in my nest, and I couldn't, I don't know, make the situation right or better in any way. I just had to wait it out. So that's probably the best advice that you can give to a step parent is just wait it out. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes you just have, yeah, that's the only thing you, you can do. When you know that you've, you've treated this person with respect, you've done right by everyone, and you haven't been nasty or, you know, done anything at all outside of you, and it's still not going right, that's all you can do is just wait and pray, and that's it. How did you, at the? because I know with teenagers, it's hard to hold your tongue. <laughs> I, it's, I had three teenage girls at one time, so mm -hmm. I totally get you. If you saw my opening, uh -huh. those are my three girls. So I get you. How did you hold your tongue? Because those hormones go off. <laughs> right. right. You know, because, you know, I, because of the communication that my husband and I had, and he was letting me in to, and I think it was because of the other daughters, was they were telling him what was going on with the ex. And the things that she was saying about us, like she was calling us shackers and things like that. So we knew where we were going with the relationship. We knew that we lived together and our plans was to get married and we did. But she was saying things like that, but saying it to the kids. Mm -hmm. um, and amongst other things. But he was privy to that information and he was sharing it with me. So the things that they were saying to him, he was sharing with me. So the things that were going on, you know, he would share with me. So that honesty and that openness in our communication made it easier for me to understand. Mm -hmm. Once I took my personal and my tears and I had to wipe them away because there were a lot of tears there like I went into, I guess, some to brush to depression because I never had anybody treat me like this. Um, usually, you know, I've never, I felt disrespected. You come in the house and you're not speaking to me in my own house. You know, um, you know, once I was able to back out of the situation and see that someone that she loves, her mother, is giving her information and she's listening to it, which she should, because it's her mom. Mm -hmm. I, I understood that why I'm the why I'm the bad guy. While she why she's fueling her fury at me. I understood. 
Wow. I love the fact that I'm going to go back to the very beginning of the conversation where you talked about how you, when you met him, you noticed he had a ring on and you wanted to know his situation right away. A lot of women that are so-called desperate or thirsty, and I'm not saying you were, but would have just ignored that ring and just went for it, but mm -hmm. you wanted to investigate. So that shows what kind of person you are mm -hmm. to begin with. So we're, let's go back to the dating scene because you also wrote, I'm kind of settling to the other book that you wrote, Dating Made Simple for Women. So let's talk about that particular book. So the Dating Made Simple for Women, <laughs> that book, it it's about preparing yourself. It's about... It, it it has in it some steps that I that I took um, before um, I met my husband, um, before like in between some dating situations, getting to know who I am. Because I think if if you don't get to know who you are, you can't expect anybody else to know you. I don't think that if 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 I didn't know who I was, I wouldn't have been prepared for this relationship at all. You know, I had some major anger issues because of trauma that I had when I was younger. I was molested younger, early on, and I held that in. I suppressed that until I was... Was twenty seven. I'm forty seven now. Wow! Didn't, didn't tell anyone, not even my mom. No one knew, but I was angry. I was throwing things. I was breaking stuff up. My words would cut people like a knife. And in previous relationships. That was the feedback that I would get from people. You are the nicest person. You would do anything for anyone. But boy, when you get mad, it's like you are a totally different person. And so I took that, that criticism, and I used that to say, you know, something is wrong. This is not normal. Um. And it was after a really bad breakup. I love this person a lot. And um, I just had like a, a meltdown and I had to do a, a check on my, I checked on myself and I got therapy and we just went back in my life to, you know, see what happened. And that was what, what happened. I never told anybody. I suppressed it. And it was just, eating away inside of me and it finally came out and you know i was able to do some things some counting and you know some things like that and now you know i get i get angry but it you know i'm not breaking anything anymore i'm not putting my fist through walls you know i can talk to people without hurting them because i people you say i would really hurt you and i just thought i was being honest you know i was just telling you how i felt but I would make a grown man cry. Um, my first marriage didn't last. Um, it wasn't good anyway, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, you know, um, 
but I knew that I picked the wrong person. But, you know, after I basically dated myself, I knew what I was looking for, what type of person that I needed by my side. Um, and that's what this book is about. You know, you need to know who you are. All of us have baggage. All of us mm -hmm. are going to bring baggage into relationship because all of us have had things happen to us. But we need to be realistic on our deal breakers. If you don't like a smoker, why date one? Just to have a warm body next to you. If you go to church and, you know, you're filled with the spirit, why would you date an atheist? You know, just to have a warm body next to you. And as women, that's this type of stuff that we're doing. We're selling ourselves so short when we don't have to. Someone will come along and fulfill you. If not, you're just, you're still alone because you're not getting what you want. The conversation is not going to be there. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be fulfilled because you're inside. You're going to be like, why did I do this? You know, the person is going to make you angry. You're, you're just, you're just not going to be in it and it's not going to last. Or you're just going to go through life. Um, just blah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you think going through all the steps that you went through to write this book and going through therapy made you a better parent and better spouse once you got married and met your husband and, and, you know, a better step parent as well, because then you can kind of understand the trauma that your stepkids are going through. Oh, most definitely. It definitely made me a better parent because I, I don't, you know, before I was just yelling at my boys and, you know, I learned with getting, being with my husband, yelling at them, it's just, they're just, it's going in and out and mm -hmm. they're not getting anything. Now we can, I can, you know, early on when we started dating, I, I can talk to them. We can, you know, I can rationalize things a lot better again i was just so filled with anger like i wouldn't beat them or anything but i just i really had to take time out like you couldn't talk to me when i was angry you would have to wait a day or so before i calmed down because i was just it was like rage um so that was something that you know it had to it had to be checked. Um, it, this is the longest relationship that I've ever been in. The other relationships, I would sabotage them. I wouldn't care if they ended. Um, this one, I wanted to maintain this one. Um, I made sure that we did therapy together early and mm -hmm. I wanted to do it actually before we got married, but we did it probably a, maybe a month into the marriage um, because I, I wanted to make sure that he really understood me and what I, the trauma that I had been through, why I 
um, if I acted out, why I was acting out. But I have been a good girl. <laughs> and this, I think, you know, he's he's he saw my anger early on in the relationship um, and how he, he hadn't seen it like prior to my original therapy. But, you know, he's he's seen it spike. My kids, especially my oldest, has seen it at its worst on someone else. Um, yeah, so it, it's been pretty bad, um, not fatal or anything like that, but, um, yeah, so, but I am a totally better person now that it is out. Um, it, it was like a raging bull inside of me. Um, and, you know, I, I recommend for those who have had trauma and their past and they know that they are suppressing it, um, definitely to seek help for that. It, it will do you wonders in every aspect of your life because it, it has helped me, I think, in every aspect of my life. Now, you just mentioned that you had you wanted your husband to go into therapy with you before you got married, but you went in the, right, the month after was there any hesitation on his part to do it or was he like, yes, go all in? Yeah, we, we, we both knew that we wanted to do it. Um, it was just timing. Yeah. It was just a time and getting our schedules together. That's it. Did he uh, have a better appreciation of where you were coming from once you went through therapy? I know you probably opened up to him a little bit already about what had happened, but did he have a better appreciation of how you are able to, how far you've come? We understood each other a lot more after therapy, why we are the way we are, because we were we are both individuals who take care of our families. We we are like the caretakers of everyone in our, our families. So for us to be both heads and be together, um, especially me being a woman, um, and now to have a strong man is, is very difficult for me because, you know, I, I, I've never had, you know, I'm, I'm the type of girl who usually, you know, kind of talks down to men. Um, <laughs> so, you, you know, it, it was a change for me to be with a strong man. So there were some things with my mouth, even still, okay, I may not be, you know, cutting him down, but I had to let him lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a different relationship for me and it still is. So it's still a struggle when something happens when we're out in public and somebody screws up, you know, I have to like, like, stop for a minute and like, and let him handle it because he's the man. <laughs> because if he's not around, you better believe I am on it. <laughs> I'm going to say something quick. Um, but he understands that about me. Um, because he understands because of our therapy who I am 
what type of person I am. And I understand because of our therapy, what type of person he is. He is a strong, we are almost, we are almost the same person. We are leaders. Um, we're used to taking care of people. Um, we don't need anyone to hold our hands for anything or guide us anywhere. So with me being a woman in the house, it's, it's, it's been, it was a little bit of a challenge, but when we got together, what I told him is that, you know, I don't want to think about anything anymore. I don't want to, you know, have to say, let's do this or let's go this place. I want you to decide the things because that's what I've always done. I've always said, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is where we're going on vacation, you know, and all my issues. I, I don't want to do that anymore. So I try not to step over him in any kind of way, or I make sure that, you know, he's always the man. So you just said both of you guys are caregivers and you were talking about taking on in the very beginning your grandson. So let's talk about how that kind of rolls into a whole nother um, way of a relationship of taking care of the grandchild. Yeah. yeah. So with that, that was very unexpected. You know, I didn't want to do it at first because, you know, I like to be on the go. Um, I like to get up and go, especially with the youngest son now being 19. He'll be 20 in December. You know, we I haven't had a baby in the house in I don't know how long. <laughs> so now having a two-year-old. Uh, so when my son asked me, to do this i was like yeah i don't know <laughs> but when he presented all the evidence to me about it i said okay it it, it was really a no-brainer um so i had to apply for emergency custody and i um let my husband know what was what was going on and then you know he he couldn't he couldn't resist, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, he he fell in shortly after, thereafter. And now both of us are in love um, with him being here. And we, we pray that he will go with his dad very soon. <laughs> very soon. It helps that my mom is here. She has another part of the house. Um, she's here. So she's a big help. So um, at night, my grandson is with her in the other part of the house. So like, and right now, my youngest son takes him to school and picks him up. That's his job that he he's our intern for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> he comes back to school. I'll be taking him to school and picking him up. Yeah. I love that. Well, our time is almost up. Is there any one last nugget that you want to leave us with? 
I just say love your family to pieces. Um, if you're thinking about going into business, whew, make sure your plan, um, make sure your plan is is straight, and be prepared for the curveballs because there always will be some. Um, but don't get bent out of shape when there are, because hopefully everything will fall right back into line. And um, that's about it. And tell people where they can find you at. So I'm on LinkedIn. I respond to LinkedIn faster than than anything else. Um, my website is talktonicole.com. There it is right there. Um, I will be on back on Facebook soon. So I don't want to, and it's just my name, Nicole Odom Hardnet. Um, where else? You can email me, and I do respond to my email fairly fast if you'd like to talk to me. And it's Nicole at TalkToNicole.com. Okay. And your books again? My books are um, Blended to Perfection and um, Dating Made Simple for Women. Uh, I do have, um, I guess, the sequel or the uh, next series to Dating Made Simple coming out soon. It's just in the final edits. Um, and I'm trying to decide on the title for that. And that should be coming out. I would say I should have it ready in the next maybe 30 days or less. I do also have a children's book coming out. I'm just finishing up the illustration and kind of finalizing the title choices. Um, and also, I will have another book coming out, um, Women Who Boss Up Post-Pandemic. And that will be out in the next, I would say, about maybe five months. Wow, you have, you're a busy woman. You multiple businesses, <laughs> going from two different states, all this family, and then you're writing books as well. Wow, when do you find the time? <laughs> You know, last night I went to bed with um, glasses on and the final um, edit of this the second series, like, laying on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, every moment counts. Every That's moment. True. Yeah, every moment counts. I, I think I took my, my grandson over to the, the other part of the house and, and that's what I did afterwards. Well, Nicole, I want to thank you so much for being on Chats from the Blog Cabin. It was a joy and I can't wait to see what else you come out with. And guys, I will drop all the links of where you can find her in the show notes. And once again, Nicole, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was definitely a pleasure. And as always, guys, be blessed. And remember, keep chatting. Chats from the blog cabin. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode.